Good morning, everybody. Wow. It's really an honor to be here. I have to just tell you, I think Joe, I could just sit and listen to him for at least three hours without moving. He is so smart. He's so um, easy to listen to and to understand. As a matter of fact, part of what I do um, involves fielding questions or concerns from the congregation or visitors and our guests. And uh, when I get these hard questions, and sometimes people are, you know, maybe antagonistic or defensive or already kind of have some, an edge to them or some baggage. And when I get those questions, guess where I forward them? Joe. Because he is so, not only is he so smart, but he has such a gentle way of responding to people that disarms them. And I got one just uh, actually, I was on vacation last week and, and I had a question that came in my email. So when I go on vacation, I still do my email. I still, you know, it's hard for me. Pastor Brady says, break your knees, you know, if you open your email while on vacation. But so one came in and I found myself this something rising up in me like, just chill, lady. Why do you have, you know, and I'm getting aggravated because she's got th- this question and, sh- and the way she presented it. So I said, you know what, I'm going to send it to Joe. And he responded and sent me a copy. And you, I just, it was just like sugar and honey and truth and sweet. And he said things like, you know, I can totally understand how you could feel that way and why you would think that. Now, see, my response was, what on earth? Just get over it. What, what, what? You know, but he's just got this goodness about him. And so, uh, and we celebrate that he's a dad, for heaven's sake. I'm at, and have you shown pictures of Jay? We, have you put him on the screen or anything? He's got hair. Just beautiful. He's just beautiful. So anyway, I'm really um, thankful to be here today. It's, it really is an honor for me because I know you have so many wonderful teachers. Um, you've All of them, all of the people that uh, speak to you on a regular basis, you're very, very blessed. I don't know how many women you have that are old enough to be your mother, however. How many? So I'm not old enough to be everybody's mother. I, maybe not. I'm not. I don't think I'm old enough to be Joe's mother unless I had had him really early in life. But probably I'm old enough to be uh, your mother. And uh, many of you had uh, had or have wonderful mothers who have just poured wisdom and love and wonderful things into your life, all of your life. So I'm not here trying to say, I've got something for you that your mother didn't give you. Uh, But some uh, maybe had a mother who 
for whatever reason, her own wounds or um, experiences. Maybe she just didn't have those same things to uh, share with you. And so I've got just a few things. Um, I have been in ministry. We've been married 34 years yesterday, and we celebrated at the pool with eight of our eight grandchildren, and uh, they're five and under, and they're so much fun. And it, it's crazy, you know, when they all are there together. But it was wonderful, and we, we had a great time. So from the, the time that Dave and I married, we began serving in pastoral ministry together. And I never, ever really felt like I had to defend uh, the fact that I was a woman in ministry. It really wasn't even a thought. It just was our life began to move that direction, and we flowed together into that, and it was just an accepted thing. So, so I don't feel defensive about it, or I've never really felt like I had to justify anything and I really appreciated Joe's opening remarks. He just laid it out so simply and so beautifully. So anyway, I just wanted to say a few things that I would say to you as a mother. Um, we, my husband and I, do quite a bit of ministry to couples and uh, young couples getting preparing for marriage and people who are uh, in troubled marriages, any, any number of issues. And oftentimes we hear from people, well, my parents, or well, my dad, or well, my mother, and they have this um, uh, difficulty progressing and moving forward in their life because of things that they felt uh, were lacking, either lacking from their parents or things that were maybe even inflicted upon them by their parents. And we were talking with a couple not very long ago, and she, the, the woman was so um, hurt at and by her mother. And, um, and I said to her, you know, she, she really did the best she could. She just didn't have the capacity to do more than what she did. And, and this example came to me while we were talking. And I said, you know, if you needed gas money, you were on empty, and you needed gas money, and I had $5 in my pocket, and I said, you know, well, I've got this $5, but I'm not going to give it to you. That would be really mean, and that would hurt, and uh, that, would, that would not be a very kind thing to do. But if I didn't have it, I didn't have that $5 you needed, I didn't have it in my pocket, I just simply, I don't have it to give you. And if I had it to give you, I would give it to you. And I said, your mother just, because she told me about her mother, I said, she just didn't have it to give you. It's not that she was trying to hurt you or wound you or withhold from you. She simply did not have it. And maybe that's the case with you. Um, maybe your mother withheld, and maybe she just simply did not have the capacity. So I just want to share a few things today that, as a mother, you know, when we, we started in ministry, I just really thought, because we were both graduates of Oral Roberts University, woo, you know, oh, keep your seat, keep your seat. Um, and uh, I, I just felt really prepared 
you know, I, I felt confident, like I really had answers for people. And uh, after 34 years, I, I feel less prepared probably than I did then because I realized uh, I didn't know as much as I thought I did. But I wanted to uh, just share a few things from that perspective. And either way, whether your mother withheld from you or she didn't have it to give you, we forgive. Because there's no moving forward until we reach that place of just letting it go and forgiving. Um, I, my family is Greek, and my Greek uh, grandpa used to say, because they were all very fiery and, you know, would get angry with each other and tempers, and he would say, let it to go, let it to go. So we're just going to forgive and let it to go, whatever the case may be. So as a mom, I have, Dave and I have four children, Christine and Jessica, uh, Christine King and Jessica Sheesby, and then Daniel Grothy is our son, and Anna Zarlingo is our youngest. And uh, so here's some things I think from a mother's perspective are vital for you to know. Uh, First of all, that you are a treasure and that you're God's gift, and not only God's gift, but his best gift. Psalm 127.3 says, Don't you see that children are God's best gift, the, the fruit of his womb, his, the fruit of the womb, his generous legacy? So not only is your life a gift, but it was God's best gift that he could have given. And little Jay uh, Kirkendall, I think Joe would probably say, he is the best gift. He didn't know that until 17 days ago, 16 days ago. But when that little boy arrived, he knew for the first time what that scripture means. This is God's best gift. Now, each one of you, whether anyone ever told you, you are and were God's very best gift that he gave to your parents. And they may not even have fully realized it. Sometimes parents think, man, I'll tell you what this is. This is one bunch of work. I didn't say piece. I said bunch, meaning like lots of work. And sometimes parents kind of project that to their children. Uh, What an inconvenience or what you know, you're so much work, or you're, you've cramped my style, or I used to be able to do all these things before I had you. I had one lady that I met with quite a while ago, and she said, I used to be able to dance before I had my little girl. And I'm thinking, okay, little girl, dance. Little girl, dance. Uh, that's a no-brainer. And so whether or not you ever heard it, hear it from me, and hear it from the Word of God today. You are a treasure, and you are God's very best gift. Some people, um, maybe some of you even, um, were a surprise. And sometimes parents will say, call call their children an accident. You know, that's, that's pretty typical. Well, here's my three children, and here's our little accident. You know, wow, that 
that's a sad tag to put on a child. It's, it's like, here's the three we really wanted, and then here's our little accident. Um, but you're not that, even if you were a surprise and not necessarily uh, scheduled. You are God's best gift. You are a treasure. And um, I want to read a little from Psalm. Like, now, Joe, you said, if you're, if you're writing these down, or how do you say it? If you're, you didn't say if you're taking notes. You said if you're writing these down. I like that. That's, that's no pressure. You know, it's not a guilt trip. It's not a passive-aggressive kind of thing. It's just if you are and if you aren't, there's a pen on the table. No. <laughs> No, but here's a, here's a great scripture, Psalm 139, 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. So he just thinks about you all the time. Innumerable. The other thing that I wanted to... Uh, share with you from a mother's perspective is that God will redeem the broken places in your life. Now, you've heard this 10,000 times if you've been in church that many times. You've heard it over and over again. But but I want to just tell you today, it's really true. And that means he's going to offset the bad effects of the broken places or the the uh, bad experiences, the trouble that you have gone through. Uh, years ago, there was a man that came to our church, and he uh, had a kind of a prophetic word of exhortation to a friend of ours, and, he, and it was this, that the joys of your future will swallow up the sorrows of your past. And that is, that's what God does. So I want to encourage you that the difficult things that maybe you've been through, that the joys of the things to come can swallow up those sorrows that you have experienced. Romans 8.28, you've heard it a bunch of times, so we can be sure that every detail in our lives, in our lives of love for God, is worked into something good. Now, those of you who have been here when Dave and I have spoken in Mill Sunday School. We'll know a little bit about his testimony. But we were, you know, I told you we were at the pool yesterday. I don't know, did I say I was at the pool? We we were at the pool. You know, it was kind of a long night. Uh, So we're at the pool with these eight little grandchildren, and there's Grandpa Dave sitting in the recliner, you know, all cool. Hey, I have to tell you something this sec. That remind, I was going to do a handheld so when I swallowed, I could do this, and it wouldn't record my swallow. But anyway, so we have a neighborhood pool, and I don't usually go because um, after four children and, you know, I'm not excited about 
being in a public place in a bathing suit, which is a whole nother, you know, wound that I'm working through. But anyway, so I don't go very often, but I was there. I've been going more this summer, and uh, so I was there and watching him. So anyway, a few weeks ago, I was leaving the pool, and Dave had been there, and he had gone before me. And uh, so as I was walking out, there was a new life lady that was there, and then this other lady. And so they, they introduced me to her, and so not the new life lady, but the other lady said, um, oh, I always watch your husband when he comes to the pool. And um, so this lady's like 35. She said, I always watch your husband when he's at the pool, and he looks really good. And I just hope my husband looks that good when he gets that age. <laughs> so I said, oh, thank, thank you, I think. <laughs> this is... So I went home and I told Dave that, and he said, all right, that completely creeps me out. <laughs> I said she really meant it as a compliment. I knew that. Had she been, you know, a little older or if I'd sensed anything else, I would have poked her eyes out, but I didn't <laughs> sense that. So this new life lady who's been trying to kind of encourage this lady to come to new life, so this new life lady says, I told her it's because you all go to new life. And I said, well, really, it's because I love him so well. And uh, so anyway, where was I going with that? Oh, I'm watching him at the pool yesterday. I'm hovering over him. No, I was watching him, and I did a little video of him with all of his little grandbabies there. And uh, because he had a very unhappy home. And if anybody was going to be really troubled and um, not very well adjusted, it would be him because of all the abuse that he uh, was involved in as a little child his whole life. And he would tell me that he would just lie in bed night after night just as a little boy and say, all I want is a happy home. All I want is a happy home. And his parents weren't in church, so he wasn't really he didn't even, he was just crying out to God as a little child would do. And so I would videotape this, and I said, all you ever wanted was a happy home, and here it is. And so I say that to tell you, I know many of you have, have had traumatic experiences, um, but it doesn't have to uh, move forward with you into your future. Um, it can really, God can redeem those things. And the way he's redeemed it in our life is that my husband can relate to people who are broken and who didn't have a mother who said, I love you and you're a treasure and you're my best gift and I love your dad. And, you know, he didn't get any of that from home. He purely got that from letting the word of God teach him, and pour over him. So the joys of your future will swallow up the sorrows of your past. One quick thing that I want to talk about, and you've probably had panel discussions and lots of teaching and kind of things on friendships. Have you? Like, we got that, we got that down, Becky. 
we've, we've heard that. Okay. Well, I'm going to just tell you a little bit how important they are. My first friend ever was Mark Armstrong. And we were, I think, three, maybe. And I love him. I, I don't ever see him. Uh, I've seen him maybe once since we graduated from high school. But I love him. He was my friend. And he was a good friend. And my second friend was Kimmy. And I was at her house the night that her dad announced to his four children that he was leaving and that he was going to go marry their aunt, which was, they weren't even from Arkansas. No, I'm kidding. It was an in-law kind of thing. And to, I can still feel how it was in that house that night um, watching those children. They were just like six down to two years old and hearing their daddy say that he was leaving and wouldn't be back, and he wasn't. And uh, she was my dear friend. And then Billy was my first boyfriend, and we were six. And he moved away. We kissed before he moved, though. You know, uh, I, I thought, if I kiss him, maybe he'll come back. But he, I remember watching out my bedroom window because he lived across the field from us. And I remember I got up early that morning knowing that they were leaving and just crying like I was a 22-year-old watching them drive away. Like, there goes my life dream. And, but then I had Janie and Jill, and we became friends in first grade. And we were like the threesome, you know, Janie, Jill, Becky, Janie, Jill, Becky. So then in third grade, we kind of, I don't know how it evolved, but it was whoever got to school first, whichever two got there first, were mad at the one who got there third. So I always got up really early to get to school so nobody would be mad at me and I could be on the side of, okay, now... Okay, Janie, Janie and Becky got here first. Okay, we are so mad at Jill. So then we'd be ugly to Jill all day. And then it was a dreaded thing. It was a horrible, horrible thing. I spent like my third grade year, and see it, how it's still affecting me today? So, but here's the deal. I, I decided maybe they will stop being mad at me if they think I'm moving to China. So I concocted this big dramatic thing of, now listen, I was born in Lapway, Idaho. We never went anywhere. We, ne- we didn't even go to the state capitol. We, we just stayed in Lapway. And so I go to school and I said, we're moving to China. Because I thought then, oh, they'll be sad and they'll be nice to me. So why am I telling you that? Do you have kind of weird relationships where you think you have to um, manipulate or uh, be something you're not or try to get to them first before somebody else does or any of those weird things that are so unhealthy. And I know you don't have like, okay, I'm going to get to Mill Sunday School first and then the first two of us that are there are going to be mad. It's not like that. But some of your friendship relationships can be that 
distressing and so much drama. If you are in a drama friendship, find some other friends. It is, it is not worth it. Let me tell you. If you are with a circle of people who make you feel stupid, find a different circle. If you are with a circle of people that when you are with them, you feel nothing but all the things you aren't and all the inadequacies come to the surface, find a different group because it's, it's really not worth it. Um, at Gloria was my other friend. We called her Stinky. And, I mean, from her family called her Stinky. It, we all called her Stinky. And, but she was just a bully. And I tried to really, you know, make her like me. But she was just mean and a bully. And uh, so don't let people influence you like that. In um, 31 years ago, there was a man that came to our church. And I met him. And he went home and he told his wife, I just met your best friend for life. And so then I met her. And we, were, we served together on a church staff for about a year and a half together and became friends. And that was the only little block of time we were ever together. But 31 years later, she is my true, true friend. And God can give you those kinds of people, uh, and you can be that to someone else. She's really kind of the only person I think I know that when they say, I'll pray for you about that, really, really does it. Sometimes I say to people, or people say, would you pray about, yeah. You know, and then later I think, whoa, did I ever even pray for them? So that's a whole other story. So Proverbs thirteen twenty: become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25, don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. So, and there's a bunch of other friend uh, scriptures that I, I don't want to keep you past 11, so I won't read them. And the last one that I wanted to just from, from the mother, but don't call me Mama Becky or anything after today. I, I've had some people do that and just call me Becky. Um, the last one is hate evil as a mother. And that, that's one thing that uh, we taught our children when they were little, and maybe your mother taught you that, and maybe she didn't. But I want to tell you today to hate evil. Proverbs eight twelve. I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. Common sense and success belong to me. Insight and strength are mine. So hating evil is taking God's side against evil. Uh, determining what, what does God say about a given activity or, uh, and, and take his side with it. Um, Daniel, our son, we just spoke over him from before he was born that he had an excellent spirit. 
And we would just say that over and over. And he really has, and he has such a purity about him that um, he kind of challenges me in areas of my life, which is a wonderful thing as a mother. And the first time he ever did it in, you know, kind of a corrective way, he was four years old. And I, my husband, you know, we've been in ministry, so he was out at traveling or something, and I was home, and it was about 11 o'clock, and I was folding this huge mound of laundry. I was sitting in front of the TV, and I was watching Johnny Carson. Do you know who Johnny Carson is? Okay. Like Jay Leno of the early 80s. Do you know who Jay Leno is? Okay. (laughs) I don't want to assume anything. Uh, so anyway, I'm folding clothes and watching the his opening monologue, and, and Daniel and all the girls are in bed. But all of a sudden, here comes Daniel, and I don't think he'll mind me telling you this. He came out in his Kermit the Frog undies. He might mind. He might mind. So he came walking out, and if you've seen Wilson, his little boy, they're identical in every way. So... Here comes Daniel, and he didn't look at me. He didn't, it was like he didn't hardly know I was there, but he came and he stood between me and Johnny Carson with his back to me. And so he just stood there for a minute, and then he said, he didn't look at me, he just said, Mom, does he love God? And I said, there's some real indications that he doesn't. No, I didn't say that. I just said, I don't think so, Daniel. And he said, then why are you watching him? So he's walking away, and I said, well, you see, I was really watching the news, and then the news just, and then it just came on right after the news, and I was going to get up and change it, but I, I just hadn't gotten up and changed his channel yet. So why are you watching him? And then he was a huge Atlanta Braves baseball fan. He and Dave both. We got cabled just so we could watch the Braves and then discontinued it when the season was over. So I think Daniel was probably six or seven when the owner of the Braves said, Ted Turner said, the Ten Commandments are a farce. So Daniel heard that. So he said, Dad, we can't watch the Braves anymore. So you think, oh, that's a little much. It's just a baseball team. But, you know, I'm so thankful that uh, to have a little child with conviction, even if, you know, well, that's not that big a deal. But those things um, helped him move forward in his life in a healthy way. I asked Joe what this passage was, and he he hadn't quite found it yet, and I found it before he did. So it was 1 Corinthians ten twenty three. Everything is permissible, but not everything is good for you. It was okay for me to sit and watch Johnny Carson, but it probably wasn't the best. And there are things in your life much beyond Johnny Carson that may seem permissible, may seem like not really a big deal, but they aren't good for you. 
So I want to encourage you, hate evil. Um, maybe adjust your filter of what's acceptable and what isn't and, and base it on God's word and the principles in his, in his word and not necessarily uh, the culture or your surroundings or even your friendships. Psalm 119 You're blessed when you... I'm not going to read the whole thing because there's like 110 verses. But uh, there's a few of them that I did want to read. You're blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. That's right. You don't go off on your own. You walk straight along the road he set. You, God, prescribed the right way to live. Now you expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping to the course you set. Then I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. I thank you for speaking straight from your heart. I learned the pattern of your righteous ways. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Don't ever walk off and leave me. And then this is the key verse. How can a young person live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word. I'm single-minded in my pursuit of you. Don't let me miss the road signs you've posted. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. So if you are like my husband who didn't have the blessing of just growing up knowing these things, you didn't have anybody that taught you early, you've got... uh, wounds and uh, maybe you're still caught in things that you know you don't want to be a participant in. How can you get, how does somebody get out of that? You know, people will say to me, you never had, you never had a bad day in your life. You had the ideal this and the ideal that, and I kind of pretty much did. So you, so you, Becky, aren't even qualified to talk to me where I am. But I've watched my husband and I've watched others. And there is that taking God's word and letting it cleanse you, letting it teach you, letting it instruct you. Lots of times I think about people who live in remote areas or who don't have the opportunities that we have, and we think that they're just without but the goodness of God and the love of God has uh, has created a vehicle of his word and his spirit that wherever we are, whoever we are, whatever our background, we can take that and wash and cleanse. And what does it say here? I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart. And we can do that and... Uh, and cleanse those things. So I want to encourage you, if there, are, if there are things, don't feel like you're just, you just have to be resigned to, this is my lot in life. But uh, I want to encourage you to, to be confident and then do what it takes. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to do what Psalm 119 says. And, and frankly, it's probably kind of easier in one sense to say, you know, I just, I didn't grow up that way. I just, you know, I'm just not like Daniel Grothy or Joe Kirkendall or Courtney McCarroll. 
I, I, but you can have the same blessing, the same direction, the same fruitfulness, the same freedom, uh, and more in your life. So let me just encourage you in that regard. Uh, before we dismiss today, if uh, I want to pray for you. And then if you want to have some discussion about um, maybe the friendship side of it, kind of a little checkup on, well, if you're sitting with your friends that are like bullying you, you might not want to disconnect today. But uh, that might be a good little uh, discussion to have. But can I just take a minute and pray for you? Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for mu- so much for viewing us as the best gift that you could have given. And I pray that those of us here today who that's a new concept, that I could be the best gift that you would have to give, that that would be something that would uh, settle into our hearts, into our souls, and uh, something that we can just let you speak to us and let grow in us. I thank you for each person, each gift that's here today in this room. And I speak a blessing over them. I speak a blessing of the fact that the joys of the future can swallow up the sorrows of the past and that all things are working together for good, all the things that all of our experiences you can turn for good as we just continue to walk with you and trust you. I pray that you help us to uh, cleanse ourselves and wash ourselves with the water of the word, to hide your word in our hearts so we don't sin against you, and uh, to enable us to walk fruitful and productive and joy-filled lives. So I speak a blessing over everyone. I pray that Uh, You would give each one of us good, healthy relationships and friendships and give us the courage to make adjustments where they need to be made. And uh, so I bless this group today. I bless Joe and his precious family and all the people here today. Thank you for helping us move forward in our walk with you with excitement and confidence in Jesus' name. Amen.